This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to raise up uncommon church builders and be the kind of leaders our pastors would kill to have on the team. Leading Second. Welcome back to season two of the Leading Second Podcast. My name is Brandon Stewart. So excited you're here with us today. If you lead, but you're not in charge, Leading Second is for you. So uh, welcome home. Welcome to this space. Of course, this podcast releases every Thursday morning and uh, we're getting ready to wind down actually for the year on season two episodes. We've had a lot of great conversations this year. I'd encourage you to go back and binge listen if uh, you've missed any, but um, we're getting ready to wind down. Uh, we'll take a break next week for the Thanksgiving holiday and then we'll be back for some final episodes of the year and we've just had a great time bringing you this podcast. Also, before we get into our episode today, um, I wanted to let you know about another great resource that is coming out of our world over the last few months, and that's the Team Church podcast. Of course, Leading Second is part of the greater Team Church tribe, and several months ago, we launched a new resource uh, from Team Church with my pastor, Kevin Gerald, called the Team Church podcast, where we have conversations once a month that every team needs to be having and uh, I love getting to pull gold out of my pastor, the wisdom that I've sat under all my life. So I'd encourage you to head to YouTube or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Check out the Team Church podcast. We're actually going to refer to it here in a minute. So you're just going to want to subscribe and make that a regular part of your routine as a leader. Well, we have a great uh, episode today, actually a packed episode for you today, coming to you in a couple of segments. And the first thing we wanted to do was answer a question from a listener of the Leading Second Podcast. I'm going to give you a long answer today on this one and make it our first segment for the episode. So let's check out what's on the mind of another member of the Leading Second Tribe. So we had this question come in from a listener of the podcast. How do I know when to leave when the church I'm part of has no future for me? How do I know when to leave when the church I'm part of has no future for me. I wanted to, first of all, say a big thank you to the person who submitted this question and we're reading it like this, uh, just because we know that transition is sensitive. And uh, we also know that transition is a necessary topic that we need to be talking about. So I want to give a little bit of a lengthier answer to this today and take a few minutes to walk you through some thoughts that have guided my life and uh, have guided the transitions that I have found myself in as a leader. I also want to point you before we do that toward the team church podcast uh, for the December, 2019 episode coming out in a couple weeks, at least at the time of this recording, uh, we have an entire episode devoted to talking about positive transitions. You're not going to want to miss that so much gold there. And I'm going to leave all of that content over there uh, for you to check out on the team church podcast. In the meantime, though, uh, I wanted to respond to a particular angle of this question and just unpack some thoughts that have guided me as a leader and wisdom that I find myself sharing with leaders all over the place. I was struck in this question by the idea at the end when, it, when he said, when the church I'm part of has no future for me. The short answer I want to give to this question of how do I know when to leave is is God leading you on? I mean, is, is this Jesus transitioning you and moving you to a new season? 
Or is this something else leading you to a new season? Something else being offense or lack of opportunity or uh, some level of misalignment. In other words, um, I believe that God leads us to places. God assigns us places and we have a mission while we're there, even if we're not there forever. So the short answer to how do I know when to leave, I would take us back to the call of God on our lives. And what does God have for you? And uh, is this the place that God has assigned you and planted you? Because if so, I really believe our attitude toward that should be that, that no man, no offense, and no opportunity can come between me and the place that God has assigned to me. Now, for the longer answer to this question and something I find myself sharing with leaders often, I want to share with you the three lenses I look at transition through. The, the three lenses being this, the lens of vision, the lens of opportunity, and the lens of resources. Vision, opportunity, resources. First of all, I share those in a very particular order because they only work going one direction. In other words, they don't work going the opposite direction. The lens of vision sounds like this. The lens of vision is when someone comes to me and says, um, I feel God leading me to a new city, or I feel God leading me to a new place of ministry, or I feel God leading me to um, you know, this, this, this new thing out there. I also see the lens of vision when, when people come to me and say, man, I've always had this certain city on my heart. I've always had this certain area of ministry on my heart. In other words, vision or the call of God, this is the best reason to make a transition or a change. When you are making a change or transition that more closely aligns you to the vision that God has for your life, the vision that he's put on the inside of you, that's the highest and that's the best. The second lens is the lens of opportunity. The lens of opportunity sounds like this. I have an opportunity to join this team over here, or I have an opportunity to join this staff. I have an opportunity to take this job. Here's what I would argue for you. Opportunity is neither bad or good. Opportunity is neutral. Opportunity just simply means it's an opportunity. <laughs> opportunity does not mean, and hear me very clearly on this leading second, Opportunity does not necessarily mean God is leading you. I think one of the most tragic things I hear is just because opportunity comes our way, we add up that God must be transitioning us on. I truly believe that opportunity is neither good or bad. It just simply signifies that someone saw something in you and they want you to be a part of their world. If you are alive and breathing, in other words, you're probably going to have opportunity come your way. I actually would even say this. If opportunity comes before vision, I usually challenge it. If opportunity comes before I've heard someone talk about a vision for that area, I usually question it and wrestle with it. It's not necessarily bad. I just believe it has to be highly scrutinized. Let me illustrate. When someone comes to me and says, man, I've always had this certain city in my heart. And then when an opportunity comes to do something in that city, well, I start to wonder, like, maybe God's in this because this person's always talked about this city and this thing. And now the opportunity comes to me, there could be some fingerprints of God on that move. If someone comes to me and says, I have an opportunity to move to this city, but I've never heard them share vision for that city or a heart for that city. I actually question it because to me, that could be an opportunity potentially leading you out of the place that God has for you uh, rather than further into the plan and purpose of God. The third 
lens that we, I think we should view transition through is the lens of resources. This to me is the lowest form, the lowest lens uh, to look at um, opportunity through. And that is so that someone will pay you to do it or that the pay is better than what you're getting now. In other words, this is, this lens sounds like when someone says, I want to, I want to make this move because the pay is higher, or I want to make this move because the church is bigger, or I want to make this move because the church is more influential or something. Uh, I just feel like that's the lowest reason we make, we make moves, uh, especially if there's not a sense of vision that um, God had already placed in your heart. So let's look at these lenses again. Done in the right order, how this sounds is God drops vision into our heart. Opportunity comes that matches the vision, and then ultimately resources come that match the opportunity that match the vision. To me, that's a beautiful equation of God providing and setting the stage for you to move further into his purpose. But think about it the opposite way. Think about the the sexy, you know, thing that comes along that pays a lot, that's really influential. And, and then a door opens to be a part of it. And then you got to kind of spin it to make it feel like God, even though God really hadn't been talking to you about it at all. To me, that's just, that's a recipe for disaster. Um, because at the end of the day, we're not called to always be a part of bigger and better. At the end of the day, we're called to build the church. We're called to do everything Jesus is asking us to do. And if Jesus has assigned you and planted you in the church you're in, I really believe our attitude should be that nothing would cause us to waver from that commitment. So I just want to offer you that today. Um, transition can be really positive, but a positive transition will require you to do hard things. So my last answer to that question would be, you know, you know, how do I know when to leave? My, my answer would be, when are you ready to do the hard things that transition will entail of you? Because um, if you transition right and transition with honor, you will have to do some things that are difficult and not fun. Um, things that put the needs of the church ahead of yourself. There's a lot of people that get it wrong in transition because they look out for themselves rather than looking out for the church. And uh, so I guess I would say you'll know that you're ready to transition when you know that you're ready to love the church above yourself and put the needs of the church above yourself and, and trust God with the outcome of your life. I wanted to share one more thing to you today, just out of my devotions, if that's okay, uh, for a minute. I wasn't planning on sharing this, but uh, I just really felt God spoke to me through this today. Maybe it's for someone listening. Maybe this is your word as you, maybe you're staring at a potential transition. I was reading in Jeremiah 29. It was really interesting because Jeremiah 29 is written uh, to a nation that is in exile. And I think when you think of the nation of Israel, they're in, they're in exile in Babylon, um, they're not in Jerusalem where they want to be. I would define exile as the place that is away from where God ultimately has for you to be. It's kind of the place where you are now, even if you don't feel like you'll be there forever. And I would define Jerusalem as the place that God has for you, his ultimate plan, his ultimate purpose. And, and look what it says in Jeremiah 29 in verse four, this is the word of the Lord to his people living in exile in the place where they didn't want to be. I just want you to hear this out of the word. Jeremiah 29 verse four, it says this, this is what the Lord almighty, the God of Israel says to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And here's the word verse five, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. 
marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they may too have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. I I find that fascinating that in the place of exile, you know, the word of the Lord was not, well, just hang on because I'll get you out of there soon. Or the, the word of the Lord wasn't, you know, look over the horizon and, and, and just you know, think constantly about the day you'll be back somewhere else. No, the word of the Lord was, if I have you here for this season, settle down, build a family, eat the crops. In other words, here's the principle I take out of it. Serve as if you're always going to be there. So here's what I wanted to say to someone today. If you find yourself in a place that isn't necessarily ultimately what God has for you, but it's the place where you are today and you feel like God has you there, I want to encourage you. You will not go wrong by serving as if you'll always be there. God is well able to move you in his timing and for his purpose, but a great attitude that comes out of great second chair leaders that love the house of God is to say, I'm going to serve as if I'm always going to be there. What's interesting is that in verse seven, uh, the writer in the word of the Lord doubles down on this idea, verse seven, it says this also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Now, man, this, this blew my mind because now I'm thinking I'm not just supposed to serve and, and hang on and, you know, build a family and a life in the meantime, I'm actually called to work for and seek and pray for the peace and prosperity of this place I don't want to be right now. And that would be the second thing I would encourage you to do. If you find yourself in a season, maybe you won't be there forever. I want to encourage you to actually build that house, to work for and pray for the peace and prosperity of that house that you're a part of right now. Don't just serve as if you're going to be there forever. Build it. Build something great. Build something God-honoring. Build the vision that is in that pastor's heart. And trust God with the outcome. You know, it's interesting that in verse 10, this is the promise that the Lord fulfills, says this. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. In other words, the promise of God that we can stand out if we seek the peace and prosperity of the house we're a part of. And we serve as if we're going to be there forever. We can trust God with the outcome that in his time and for his purpose, he is well able to bring us to the place he ultimately has for us. You can trust God in that. You can trust God if you find yourself in a season where, man, you feel a little out of sorts or you feel like I'm not going to be here forever. You can trust God with the outcome. You don't have to spend your life turning in job resumes all over the place. You don't have to spend your life looking at the horizons. You don't have to spend your life going to conferences, hoping to meet the right person, weaseling your way into the green room, whatever you you have. You don't have to spend your life doing that. You can seek the peace and prosperity of the house you're a part of and trust God with the outcome of your life. So I pray that if you needed to hear that today, I pray that was your word. I pray that you receive it today. If, if we can walk with you and help you in a season of transition, reach out to us. It would be our honor to pray for you, coach you, and help you make a great decision for your life and ultimately for the church and for the kingdom of God. Amen and amen. Well, 
Well, today for our second and final segment of this episode, I'm so excited to bring to you a conversation I had with a new friend recently, and his name is Noah Heron. Noah leads a ministry called The Gathering, which is a youth and young adults ministry at uh, North Cleveland Church of God in Cleveland, Tennessee. Uh, I loved meeting Noah and his wife at the Youth America Leadership Conference recently. They have incredible hearts for God and are serving him doing something great for God, even at a very young age. They're, they're seeing some real traction in reaching young adults, and we're really thankful for what God is doing there. So I believe if you're leading in ministry, leading at a young age, I believe this will encourage you today. So without further ado, here it is, my conversation with Noah Heron. Well, hey, Noah, what's up? So good to talk with you today. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Brandon. Thanks for having me, man. I'm, I'm excited. Absolutely. It was good to meet you at the uh, Youth America Conference recently and love meeting you, your wife. Uh, you guys have been married about, what is it, five months now? Five months. We have made it to the five-month mark. Hallelujah. Life is good. <laughs> the five-month mark. She still thinks you're Prince Charming. Oh, I, I don't know about that. I, uh, <laughs> I hope she does. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, tell us a little bit about yourself. You uh, lead a young adults ministry at a, at a church. I guess, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So my name's Noah. I'm 24 years old. Um, just got married to my beautiful wife, Maddie, and we co-lead uh, a ministry that I founded um, two and a half years ago, almost three years ago now called The Gathering. And um, the gathering actually started as a Bible study that um, uh, by the end of my last semester of, of school, um, there was a church in town who asked us to move it over and for uh, it to become their young adult ministry, which we did. And that's the church I'm still serving at now. It's called North Cleveland in Cleveland, Tennessee, and uh, just loving life, man. It's a good season. Man, we're so glad for what God's doing in your in your ministry, and you've really seen some you've really seen some great impact and great growth uh, in your young adults ministry. I guess tell us a little bit more about the gathering. Yeah, so um, man, we started this Bible study um, my last semester of college, and there was nine people in the room, and um, all we had was our Bibles and some Doritos. And um, at the end of the first uh, little gathering, um, play on words, we. Uh, we just said, Hey, if you want to bring someone with you next week, you can do that. This isn't like a closed thing. And, um, we had like 30 something people show up and there weren't enough Doritos the second week. And it really was just this crazy thing that started to happen. And by the end of the semester, we had a couple hundred young adults. We were meeting in a lecture hall on campus. It was a full on service. Um, I'll never forget the first time we had a, a really big crowd. Um, one of the guys who helped start it with me, he looked at me and he was like, you're going to have to preach. I was like, you're going to have to preach because I, <laughs> right. I had never preached before. Um, it, it really just kind of started on, on accident. It was just blind passion and um, kind of like this beautiful ignorance of we were just chasing Jesus and it was, it was um, contagious. And uh, we moved over to the church at the end of that semester. And um, for the past two years, we've been the young adult ministry at North Cleveland and um, it's a, uh, a weekly Thursday night service of, of young adults. We have about 600 students or so in our community and also awesome. to do a, a yearly conference, um, in January every year. And so, uh, it's just been, it's been amazing. And, and I'm really, really thankful that I get to be a part of it. Man, we're thankful for what God is 
doing through you and through your obedience and stepping out and leading. And, uh, I guess thanks for buying Doritos and yeah. taking a step of faith <laughs> along with it, man. We're, we're really grateful. Hey, before we get Waiting into for Doritos to call me for the Super Bowl commercial, that would be, that that's a, that's a dream of mine. I'll be fasting and praying for you in <laughs> February. Hey, uh, before we get into anything serious though, um, I love to start with this question when we're talking to new guests onto our podcast. And that question is this, what is something unique about you that very few people would know? So take us behind the veil. What makes you unique, Noah? So um, I know that there are a lot of people who are into sports, um, but I have a ridiculous passion for NBA basketball, like to the point that my wife, she had no idea. I probably <laughs> listen. This is not an exaggeration. I probably listen to two hours of NBA podcast a day. Um, and I, I have NBA league pass, which means I can watch every game. The weeks where I'm struggling with sermon prep, there are many times when I think about um, going into coaching basketball. I, I love <laughs> basketball. I'm a diehard fan. And uh, if I wasn't a pastor, I would do something in basketball. Well, we met in Oklahoma City. Yeah. And it's a very sore subject for those of us from Seattle. Yes. I'm so sorry, man. I really wish Seattle still had a team. I love the Sonics, man. I love the Sonics. I'm just saying I, from the hotel room, I was looking out, I saw the arena and you know, it just, I think people from Seattle would say it still hurts a little. Still hurts. Oh yeah. I bet you had to pray before service. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I was really struck when I heard you um, sharing your story and teaching at the Youth America Conference. I was really struck by your testimony and um, specifically with the idea that you grew up as a pastor's kid, but you don't consider yourself saved until somewhere around, I think maybe 21 years old or so. So guess, tell us a little bit about your story. And even though you grew up in church, how you found Christ and have ended up leading already at a young age and, you know, young in a real serious commitment to following Jesus. Sure. So uh, my parents um, are amazing. Uh, I do have a, a unique story. They pastored a, a pretty large church in Tampa, Florida. And it was one of those situations where um, by the time I'd gotten to high school, there was this pressure of being the pastor's kid that everybody knew um, and also being exposed to the side of church that isn't always pretty. Um, that by the time I got to high school, I had just decided and was pretty open with my parents that, hey, this isn't for me. I don't want to do this. And uh, I really think God gave them just wisdom in the way that they handled me, because instead of them kind of, uh, you know, getting tighter and holding me tighter, they kind of took a step back and, and gave me space to, to kind of vent and be frustrated. And I went off to college and I was still kind of in that space um, and uh, actually gave my life to Jesus through a YouTube video that I watched when I was 21, wow. so about three, three and a half years ago. Um, a YouTube video of a message. It's a, a famous message by Pastor Judah Smith out in Seattle, God's country, um, where you're at. Come on, and, somebody. Uh, the, the message was called Jesus Turned Around. And um, I had just uh, I had just gotten confused and um, I was putting uh, the things of religion on Jesus and not vice versa. I just kind of was confused about who Jesus really was and and what he wanted from and for me for that wow. matter. And um, through this, this sermon by Pastor Judah, uh, it, it made sense. I felt the Holy Spirit in my, in my room. And it's a unique 
situation because I'd grown up in church. I probably knew more Bible than anybody else that was my age in the church, but I didn't believe it. Um, and so when it clicked for me, I feel like I had an accelerated process um, as far as just my understanding of scripture and my knowledge of of the word, just because I'd grown up in it. Um, and it kind of served as a, a catalyst for my relationship with the Lord. I, I was, I was missing the Jesus part of my, uh, my Christian, um, experience. Well, and now just three years into that, now you find yourself leading, I guess, what was that journey like for you? You quickly, which I'm grateful for, but you quickly moved from, man, I'm going to go all in for Jesus. to now I'm, I'm now leading, and impacting hundreds of young adults a week. What's that yeah. been like for you? The most uncomfortable <laughs> journey ever. Um, I never once, when when I accepted Jesus, I never once uh, thought that I wanted to be a pastor. I wanted to lead in any capacity. I actually was in school to be a sports broadcaster. And uh, that's what I wanted to do with my life. I wanted to broadcast basketball games. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, it, it all really just happened on accident. I mean, like I was sharing with the Bible study, um, it, it was kind of just, it found me. I didn't find it. And I think that that's a pretty biblical principle that yes. when you start chasing Jesus, right, love, mercy, all those things will will find you, they'll chase you. And I think it works the same way with, with calling and, and opportunity. And um, as it showed up, it was extremely co- uncomfortable for me. I think it's interesting that, um, the Bible calls the, the error in the Bible, the Holy Spirit's referred to as the comforter, um, because the Holy Spirit always asked me to do the most uncomfortable things. <laughs> I find that really interesting. Uh, public speaking that. was not, was not natural for me and, and neither w- was leading, but, um, God's just given me a, a grace for it. And it seems like every season there's kind of a new challenge and a new obstacle. Um, and I'm just really dependent on him to, to continue to give me the grace for it, but I, I'm, I'm thankful and, uh, I've developed a love for it. I, I love what I get to do. I love that idea that it found you. And I think we need to trust that rhythm of God's grace more in our lives rather than chasing down what, you know, is on somebody, you know, letting the, the rhythms of God's grace chase us down and find us. I I love that thought. So I want to ask you a question and I'm thankful for what God is doing through you. Um, I also want to talk about you. You yourself are a young leader. You, you would very much, you know, represent, I think a lot of the people we talk to on this podcast every single week. And so the next question I have for you is going to make me feel very old asking this question. Um, I hate it, but here goes the, the, the idea that you are, you are leading in your mid twenties and no doubt that even from 10 years ago, some of us that were, you know, or a couple more than 10 years ago, anyways, um, that, that even, um, the landscape has changed. Culture has changed. And I just have a question for you. I guess this could even help some pastors, some lead pastors listening. What pressures are you facing right now in ministry? I guess, like as you, as you try to navigate your own season of, of ministry and your calling and walking that out, like, I guess, just take us into that mindset. Cause I I don't know about anyone else listening. I want to help some leaders to navigate the very real pressures of ministry so that in 10, 20, 30, 40 years, we're still standing 
thriving, healthy in ministry. So what, what pressures and challenges do you feel like you're facing right now? Yeah. So I think the, the biggest struggle has been, um, just from a logistical standpoint has been time. And what I mean by that is it for, for really the past two years of my life, it's always seemed like I, I haven't had enough time. Um, and as that has been playing, I've had this conversation over and over again in my head where I've been like, you know, we'll, well, soon I'll have more time and I'll be able to do that. And we'll soon I'll have more time and I'll be able to grow in that area. And, um, the next season comes and there's never more time. And so I've kind of adopted this saying, I actually have it at my, my office on the wall, um, at home. And it's, uh, it doesn't get easier. I've got to get better. And, um, you know, that you could go a whole lot of different ways with that. But for me, the thing that I really believe the area I need to be better in is consecration. And, um, it's, it's, uh, it's really practical. Like my biggest, my biggest struggle when we first started was, Hey, I'm supposed to lead this group of people who are the same age as me. They're going through the same things as me. They look at me as their leader. I don't have any extra life experience. I don't have any, um, thing to offer them. Why would they follow me? And the more I prayed about it and the more that uh, I, I read my Bible, I realized the only way that they're going to follow me is if I can take them someplace that they haven't been. And the only place I can take them that they haven't been, it's not a life experience. It's not some trick to make money. The only place I can go that they haven't been is a place spiritually. And so um, I just really felt like God said to me, if you'll consecrate yourself to me, if you'll spend time in the word and if you'll spend your time that's um, good. drawing near to me, I'll draw near to you and, uh, and, and they'll follow you because, because you'll be anointed and my hand will be on your life. And so that's been the challenge is I think for me, I'm an Enneagram three. I like my to-do list. I like to wake up and, <laughs> and go, go, go. And so, um, when I read that statement that I wrote on my wall, um, it doesn't get easier. I've got to get better. My flesh says do more. But what I'm learning is sometimes it's doing less and doing more, um, just being in his presence, just resting in his presence, um, going places in my spiritual life that yep. other people might not be. And the more I do that, um, not only am I a healthier leader, but I found that my ministry and, and my leadership has become more effective uh, over the past yep. uh, couple of years. I think one of the things I hear most from young leaders is they struggle when, when they're having to lead their peers or even lead someone, you know, older than them. Um, is that one of the biggest things they have to establish is credibility? You know, yeah. why, why, why should you follow me? And I loved your answer about taking some people someplace spiritually. I love that. Um, but talk to us for a minute on building credibility with leaders, with those older than you or those, your peers, I guess, what does that look like for you navigating leadership in the space that you are? I think, uh, generationally, at least in my life, it, it looks very different. So for, for our group, uh, trust and credibility is built through time, uh, relationship. And, and that's something that I have had to learn the hard way. Um, and I've, I've done it wrong a lot, but, uh, credibility in our group just looks like being present, even if it means, um, some, I mean, our, our group's at a size where I can't meet with every single person, but what I can do is I can be present in the lobby. I can have genuine, genuine conversations 
um, and, and I can actually care and remember what they're, they're telling me in these conversations. But with the, the older generation, um, I think credibility uh, oftentimes look like, looks like honor. It looks like um, serving. It looks like asking questions. And um, man, the power of a question with the older generation, I think it, it's just so strong, just asking questions, not because you're trying to get on their good side, but because you actually want to learn. Uh, there's just right. so much knowledge and, and wisdom to learn. And, and when you ask the question, I think it really does build trust. Hey, this person wants to learn. Hey, they value, they value me. Um, and I think that that's where it starts for, for, for my life. So you're a self-admitted Enneagram three. How do you navigate the very real space of, I mean, you, you probably are prone to be led by feelings, uh, probably feelings that lead you. I'm a four by the way. So I'm kind of from the same area as you, but, um, led by feelings of needing to either, you know, measure up or competition or, you know, like all those things that kind of put you into natural striving, right? Like how, how are you, you don't have to be perfect at it, but how are you, I guess, tackling all of the very real sides of that, 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 that come with that territory for you? Um, this is a, that's a great question. Cause this is something that I don't think like you ever get the answer to that. And then you're done. I think it's a daily, like, um, yes, totally. It's a, it's a daily, uh, check, but, um, in my life, I find myself being tempted in those areas. Um, and, and it's always in the area where there's an audience for, for a, a three. And I think for most people, and so the trap normally comes via social media in 2019. Um, I really think if social media wasn't a thing that this comparison and ministry wouldn't be taking uh, place nearly as much. And so, um, for me, it's, it's a lot of times it's asking, Hey, am I, am I posting this? because I want people to clap for me or am I posting this because I want people to clap for Jesus? Am I posting this so I can get another opportunity or because I want people to think that I'm, I'm this way or am I posting this because I genuinely um, want to, to help people? And um, sometimes I'm not doing it for the right reasons. And it's, uh, I really think it's a, it's a constant self-check. My wife has really helped me kind of, kind of slow down but um, the, the more that I wrestle with this and the more that I wrestle uh, with the, this question and, and these thoughts, the more that I'm realizing that a lot of times when I do that, I, I am tired. Uh, I, I eventually get to a place where I'm tired. And I think it's because it's, it's this hamster wheel of, of getting approval. Yep. And um, I don't know about you, Brandon, but the people in my life that um, I leave the most refreshed by are the people who walk with a lightness in their step and they seem to be refreshed. And I really think that, that, that comes from finding your approval in in God and and not man. And so, um, I also have some people in my life with a relationship with the Lord like that. And whenever I start to feel tired, whenever I start to feel like I'm struggling with comparison, I try to get around those people. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I, I know for me, when I walk into a room, I can tell how I'm doing, on if I walk into a room and I'm worried about me or if I walk into a room and I'm worried about others. And what I mean by worried about others is it's concerned for how I can serve them, how I can help them. My, my posture tells me everything about how I'm doing at that moment. And I think it matters that we, that we keep account of that. 
And, you know, I don't think we should be the Enneagram police and walk around, you know, holding each, you know, holding it over each other's heads, you know, kind of a thing. But I, I, you know, you can't, in other words, you can't judge someone's motives for why they post on social media and nor should we. But, um, I think it's a great question that we all need to be asking ourselves often, uh, as we're kind of navigating, navigating this space. Uh, I wanted to ask you this before I let you go. Um, you, you serve on a local church team. And, uh, so what are you doing right now to get it right with your pastor? This is the leading second podcast. And this is all about that question. So how are you working at it and winning with your pastor right now? Man. Well, first of all, I, it's, it's really easy with, with my pastor. He is, um, absolutely just an incredible, phenomenal leader. Um, his vision for young adults, his vision for the future of the church is, uh, is so incredible. And, um, it makes it easy when you have a pastor who leads by example, uh, serving, um, you want to buy into his vision. His name is pastor Mark Williams. Just give him a a shout out. And uh, it's so, it's so funny because we're so different. Like we'll go get coffee and he's in a suit and I'm in ripped jeans and, you know, a (laughs) t-shirt, you know, Metallica on it or whatever. And we're so different, but, but, uh, we share the same, we share the same vision. And I think what's really cool about our situation is that our young adult ministry um, does not, for the most part, attend our church. And most people would go, wait, like that's, that's not, you know, that's not healthy. But um, he has seen that a lot of these young adults, they aren't, they're just not coming on Sunday mornings and he doesn't care. He just wants to reach them however we can, even if it's in another service. And I think that that's a rare vision. That's a rare type of leader. Um, but his support into my dreams uh, really is what sparked <laughs> sparked me to want to follow him. I mean, I would do anything. I would do anything for him. Um, practically, that is what I try to do. I try to be um, someone who's available for him. You know, if, if he uh, calls. It doesn't matter what I got going on. It's getting canceled. If he needs me to do something again, it doesn't matter what's going on. It's getting canceled. Um, we also try to do a really good job at our ministry of, of honoring him, uh, publicly and privately, um, and and just really, uh, showing appreciation for, for his vision. Um, and then also, uh, going back to the thing I said earlier about honoring the, the older generation, um, he's not old by any means. He's in his early fifties, but, um, I am constantly trying to ask him questions, constantly trying to learn from him. And I think it's really allowed us to, to have a, a, a really good and deep, um, uh, relationship that's past just a working environment relationship. We, we bonded over the past couple of years and, um, man, I, I just, I can't say enough. I feel like I'm, I'm rambling, but I can't say enough about his leadership and what his investment in my life has, has meant to me. I love it. I, and I love that you're being intentional about it. I love that you're available and I've always done that. Um, I, and it's not, I've never taken the approach of if I should say yes or no to my pastor, I've taken the approach of how can I grow my capacity so that I can always say yes, but also still run in a really healthy way. And, um, so I, 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 I like that. I, I value that a lot. Um, Hey, I, I've loved meeting you. I appreciate you. I I love what God is doing through you. And I told you as much of the conference that, that, um, you know, just really, really sense that God's going to do something great through you and your ministry. So thank you for all that you're doing to impact lives and build the church. I know there's a lot of grateful people out there. 
uh, for what you're doing. I do have one more question for you before we land the plane today. And this is something I ask, I ask almost every guest. So just bleed here for a quick second um, to wrap this up. Why do you love the local church? Like what is your, what is your heartbeat for the local church right now? Man. Well, I, first off, I was saved through a local church pastor's message. Um, So there's, there's that. Also, I just, I think, you know, Jesus is coming back his church, um, the disciples, right. They, they were willing to die for the local church. And so, um, you know, if we believe this thing, if we believe what we read in the Bible, if if we're truly about our father's business, then we have to be about the local church. I think it's, uh, you know, a lot of times we talk about revival. I think revival is going to come through the local church. Um, I think that, uh, that's where your relationship with Jesus really uh, takes up, takes on legs and begins to walk on its own is, is through community and through um, the body of Christ uh, locally and, and impacting your community. I just, uh, I'm here for it. I'm committed to it for life and uh, I'm excited. Well, hey, so good to talk with you today. Thanks for being on. Love you and appreciate you a lot, Noah. Thanks so much, Brandon. Well, I'm so glad you joined us for our episode today. Uh, I pray that it helped and spoke to you in some way. If this podcast has resonated with you, I want to encourage you to help us out by becoming a podcast ambassador. You know what to do. Hit the subscribe button, leave ratings, leave comments, share on Instagram stories, share on Instagram posts, tag leading second, help us make noise and get the word out. Uh, We would count it an honor to be in your world and in your team's world every single week. We have just a couple episodes left to go, an exciting series coming up to finish out season two of the podcast that I can't wait for you to hear. So Uh, Until next time, Leading Second, we love you. We're praying for you. Let's run strong for the kingdom and lead in an uncommon way together. For more information, check out leadingsecond.com or join us on the Leading Second Forum on Facebook.